spinning in circles and talking to myself. Spinning in circles and talking to myself. Welcome to a new spin on autism. Answers with host and international speaker and performer, Lynette Louise. Besides working on her doctorate in psychophysiology, Lynette has raised eight children, six adopted, and four of them falling somewhere on the autism spectrum. Laugh with her, cry with her, as she talks to both experts and parents and takes you through the often confusing, sometimes frustrating, sometimes overwhelming, but always fascinating world of autism. Hello and welcome. This is a new spin on Autism Answers. I'm Lynette Louise, your story teacher host, otherwise known as the Brain Broad. And today is a record-breaking hot day here in California, as I'm sure it is for most people in the southern states. We're having a toasty uh, period. I'm recording this on Father's Day, though you won't hear it until Father's Day has passed. Um, I'm excited. I'm not supposed to say that, by the way. You know, when you take marketing... They say, don't mention when you're recording things. Make it evergreen so that it can be 10 years old and you put it up like it's brand new and nobody knows. And, you know, here's the problem. I'm not so into trickery. I think that um, as much as it's good advice, there is an element of trickery that we sort of accept in our society that we think is really just the way things are done. And it really dominoes into problems when you're raising special kids. Actually, really dominoes into problems, period. But when you're raising special kids, it really, really dominates into problems. I'm going to talk about that in a second, but I just want to remind you to stay to the very end of this show where I will do stories from the road. And today's guest is also the okay, 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 great guest giveaway. So we got, uh, you know, I've been lazy lately. <laughs> Pretty much always is either I'm the great guest giveaway or they are both because getting two guests is way more organization than I want to do. Okay, now, before I talk to you about our guest, our great guest, um, I want to sort of follow up on what I started saying there, and that it sort of will set the tone for some of the stuff that I'm going to talk about at the end of the show, which is this whole idea that trickery is okay. You know, a lot of time people will say to their child, no, I, you know, I don't know why it's broken. It's just broken. But really the truth is you do know why it's broken. You took the batteries out or you, or you removed the plug or whatever because you don't want to hear that perseverative electronic toy one more time. So what's the problem with that trick? Well, a lot. Um, Number one, you missed an opportunity to teach. You missed an opportunity to explain how the toy works, how the perseverative activity affects you, and how your nerves and your ability to listen to something repeatedly is affected, so therefore can you turn the sound down? Can you wear headphones? Would you take that to your room? All these things that you have an opportunity to teach lead to social connectedness. They lead to a way of knowing how to move in the world. And so when we use trickery, we basically stop ourselves from being good teachers. And when we do that, we find ourselves sitting there looking at our special son or daughter and think, hmm, now what are we going to do? If we hadn't used trick, we might have had, you know, a whole day full of lessons ahead. So the reason that we don't know what to do with our kids is because we cut off our own hands. We, we stop ourselves from using what's right there in front of us by not wanting to risk a meltdown or not wanting to, um, you know, embrace a problem with thinking that the child can't understand, so therefore not explaining. No child understands when you start explaining. 
It's the explaining that leads to the understanding, not the other way around. And there's an awful lot of therapies out there trying to get the kids' brains ready to understand, and then we'll explain, checking and testing to make sure the kid understands before we explain. No, the explaining is the way that the brain becomes ready to understand. So just start, okay? No more trickery. I won't trick you and say it's not Father's Day, even though you're not going to hear it till after Father's Day. And you don't trick your child by pretending that uh, you can't drive to the store because the car is broken. Okay? We'll make that our deal to at least try to be upfront and honest and forthcoming, and we'll all be better for it. Our politicians will have to step up, but, you know, whatever. One step at a time. All right. So today's guest is wonderful. Her name is Nicole Humphreys. I'm really excited to have her on for a lot of reasons. One I mentioned already, I'm not that organized. I got way too much on the go to want to have to create a show where I'm, you know, sitting and slotting my calendar for the next two years for all my guests. So my guests have to be very flexible and say, sure, I'll do the show when I approach them about it. And it's usually pretty last minute. So Nicole is just that, super super flexible and super willing to step up and say, yeah, let's let's share what I just did and what I just created with your audience. So I asked her, she's here, this makes me happy, but additionally, she's written a book. And I love the look of this book, but I have not read it. My favorite thing is the title. So before, and she's maybe, maybe, maybe going to give one away to you. So before I go any further and tell her story before she has a chance to, I'm going to invite her to say hello. So thank you for being here, Nicole. Thank you. So I have a question. I have two names for you. I have Nicole Humphreys and I have Nicole Wright. So is it Nicole Humphreys Wright? Is that your full name? Um, The Humphreys is my maiden name, and I use that on Facebook just to distinguish who I am, but my name is Nicole Wright. Okay, marvelous. Okay, so now we got that figured out. Let's talk about you, your story, your um, your backstory. Why, you know, why are you on the show? This is an autism show. Sure. Let's start with that. Well, autism because autism hits home for us. Um, my oldest son has autism. He's 11 years old. He was diagnosed at the age of three. Um, we started the journey actually a little prior to three. Um, we saw some concerns um, around 18 months, and so we started early intervention as quickly as we could. Um, and from there, um, continued on with wraparound service and um, help within the school. So that's about my oldest. His name is Johnny. Um, but I also have three typical children. Um, so the basis of my story was Happy Friends is the title of the book. Isn't that a great, I love that. Right away, I just love that. Happy friends, it already sends a message. We don't even need to read the book. Everybody just remember the title. No, I'm kidding. (laughs) Go on, explain. So for Johnny, he has such a difficulty reaching out to others and social anxiety, Um, but he has created such a great friendship with his siblings. And as much as I wanted to reach my child with autism, I wanted to reach my typical children as well and for them to understand that they're going to come across a lot of different people in life that are different from them. They're going to think differently. They're going to act differently. They're going to do things differently than they are. But on both ends, we need to have acceptance and kindness. Kindness is the key, and that's what I really want to teach my children. Johnny specifically with having all of his social issues I want him to realize that he can step outside of his boundaries and be kind. 
No matter what, he can be kind. And with my typical children, the same rule follows. No matter if someone's different, you can always be kind. And so that is the basis of my story. That's very cool. So let's start with so the premise of the show, which I often forget to do, is to have a question that we answer. So let's sure. start with this question. What is the definition of kindness, especially as it relates to someone with a social uh, challenge like autism? For Johnny, the definition of kindness, I think, for him is just being open to other people. Um, because with him, he even has a difficulty even just with body language. When people that know him and are friendly to him, he still has a difficulty with eye contact. Um, even so much so that he may turn his body away from the individual when they're speaking to him. So we've had a lot of conversations and a lot of role-playing with him about how do we talk when we're talking to our friends? How can we show that we're being kind? Okay, we can look them in the eye. We can turn our body towards them. We can show with our body language that we care the other person is talking to us and being friendly. Okay, so let's say that he said to you, um, but the problem is I can't hear when I'm looking. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Then what? Uh, then what? How do we adapt the definition of kindness? Yes. Sometimes for him, too, we give him sunglasses <laughs> <laughs> so that maybe you can't necessarily see his eyes. But as long as he has his body turned towards the person, that's another way that he can still with his body language show, I'm interested in what you're saying. Um, I'm going to be near you while you're speaking to me. Um, I care that you're talking to me. Yeah, that's cool. I remember when I adopted Dar, um, I couldn't get eye contact, and I put sunglasses on, and as soon as I mm-hmm. put them on me, he immediately was like, where'd your eyes go? And he was looking for my heart, right? Um, that, of course, didn't last. He very quickly figured it out. But then that gave me an idea that I could play with that kind of presentation, which is much like what you're saying. Um, So I think it's an important point. How do we adapt Mm -hmm. the definition of proper social behavior for the child who needs adaption? Um, I love that answer. Let's play with a few more. So let's say he is feeling their energy is too desperate or too loud in some way. Mm -hmm. So how would you then adapt attending to them since you said keep the body close? What would you do instead? Right. Well, for him, he is verbal, um, and he can understand a lot of things. So we do talk to him about a lot of different things. So he does have social stories, um, and we actually got even some cue cards um, from one of our TSS workers that worked with him, and he had a favorite. SpongeBob was a favorite of his for quite a long time. Um, And so we used SpongeBob cards as kind of a jump-off point for him. Um, When it was difficult for him to still relate in those situations, he could go back to his SpongeBob cards that would give him other suggestions of things that he could try. So if it was difficult, we did give him kind of a cheat card that said, you know, it's too hard for me, I need to take a break. Um, So he did use that on occasion, but there were other times that he could go through his SpongeBob cards and flip through, and it would give him suggestions of topics of conversation that would be easy and manageable for him. Um, As simple as saying, your friend said hi. You should say hi. How are you back? (laughs) Very cool. That was was enough for him that he, he could manage the situation. And it helped him to cue himself instead of having others have to cue him. It's it's nice. I mean, very often people assume 
that when a child can't handle something, that that's it. They can't handle it. And, and the truth sure. is they just need to get activated again, get a new idea, just like us. You know, sometimes mm-hmm. I don't know the answer and someone gives me a, an idea and bam, I'm all good. So that's kind of what we need to do for the kids when they get frozen. Give them a way to nudge themselves and then Absolutely. have alternatives. I love that. So, um, so now since he doesn't, he doesn't use the sponge card now, SpongeBob. He does card. not. He does not. But we also had some too um, in relation to going out into public situations. Um, we did have instances of him wandering, um, where if he saw something in a store, instead of holding our hand or saying, "I want to go look at such and such," that he would just wander off. Um, but the SpongeBob cards um, had suggestions about you need to make sure that you're holding someone's hand or tell someone when you see something you want to go look at. And once again, that was enough of a social cue for him to remind him of appropriate behavior being out in public and not just to wander away. I really like that. Um, so I had a son that was, still have a son. <laughs> I have many sons, actually. <laughs> uh, but at that time, he was nonverbal. And he, you know, was very impacted. And he would walk in a straight line away from the house and not know to turn around. Uh, I Mm -hmm. believe he had visual issues and stuff. But at any rate, once he got going in a straight line until something physically stopped him from walking, he just kept going. Mm. So we spent a lot of time walking the perimeter of the yard. And I'm like, okay, you can't go beyond here. You can't. Here's the landmark for this. Here's the landmark for that. And we walked it, walked it, walked it. And he learned not to leave the yard. Now, it sounds a lot like, you know, what you do with your pet, but in fact, he needed that kind of very clear structure to know where the limitations were. Just from our yard, Mm -hmm. why I bring that up is because both of us are assuming the child's going to learn and that it's our job to come up with the answer as opposed to simply creating some kind of tracking device and saying, my child wanders, there's nothing you can do except try to find them when they get lost. So let's talk about that a little bit. It sounds like you've always been proactive and assumed he'll learn the next step. Yes, we have. We Well, we actually had an instance where he did get lost. This was prior to our... Only one, though. Good for you. <laughs> yeah. So we. it was very scary for him, <laughs> and it was very scary for, him, for, for us, but we used it as a learning um, tool for all of us he did the right thing in the wrong situation. Um, he was able to seek out the appropriate person and tell them he was lost and ask for assistance, um, and we were able to reconnect and find each other. And so because of the negative, um, we came up with, okay, what do we need to do to address this issue because we don't want this to happen anymore. What, what are we going to do to fix this to help you and help us um, know how to navigate some of these things. And so that was when we came up with the SpongeBob cards, and it, it really has helped, helped us, and it really helped him, too, to have that um, just cue as to what he needs to know to do when he's out. And why SpongeBob? Was that one of his favorites? Or it was. Get... Yeah, it was okay, a favorite. Okay, so, and I love that. Mm-hmm. So you're taking yeah. something he cares about, and you're putting yes. the information in what he cares about. Yes. For him, it's always been finding that motivating factor. What is it that he loves that we can harness and use to motivate him? And and at the time, it was SpongeBob. I think we've moved on to other things now, but at the time, he really loved SpongeBob. So we, we really harnessed that and used it to the best that we could. 
That's wonderful. I love it. Um, for my son, a different son. You don't have too many. <laughs> it was um, it was Roger Rabbit. So everything was about Roger Rabbit for the longest time. And if you didn't want him to do something, you had to say please. <laughs> There's something really delightful about these special interests, you know. Yeah. So tell tell us a story that instead of so much learning before we go to break, tell us a story that pops to mind for you that has to do with you know, just something cute and gorgeous to listen to uh, about him learning a kindness lesson. Um, Johnny has always been very sweet with his brother. And as I said, that's kind of my highlight of my book is just being kindness and, and being friendly. And we use his brother, his brother's name is Isaac, in a lot of situations because Isaac is willing to um, learn with Johnny. And we had had an instance where we were out and about without Isaac, and Johnny, of course, remembered his brother, and it was very important to him that we get something special for Isaac while we were out because he felt like Isaac had earned a reward. <laughs> and so that was one of the things. He, he wanted to choose a toy for Isaac, and he did, and he chose the special cho- toy. Isaac really enjoyed tractors, and so he had picked out a tractor to give to his brother, and that has always touched me because I felt, for him, it took a lot for him to think about his brother and what his brother liked and the fact that he was willing to pick something out on his own. Right, so. and and something that wasn't his special interest but was his brother's interest, which is it's a Definitely. big learning. I remember way back when I was a kid, there was I don't know if anybody is as old as me listening to the show, but there was a, a little sort of kids magazine that came out and it was a Humpty Dumpty magazine and they had all these different cool things in it. And one time it had this story. It's the only story I remember from all the years of getting this magazine and it was about um, Humpty Dumpty <laughs> buys a, <laughs> he buys a present for his friend but he buys something he wants. Mm. So, you know, it's this whole learning of, you know, his friend didn't appreciate the present and he feels like his friend is selfish and all this and ungrateful. And finally, he understands that a gift is when you, you know, really care about the other person enough to buy them what they want. And I found that really uh, eye-opening as a young child. I hadn't ever thought that way. Mm -hmm. Somehow that had missed me. And it's such a big lesson that I'm right now working on a book called The Gift Givers that incorporates some of that. So it's um, it's interesting that that's the story you brought up. I think it's an important one that we have to share with the kids that their special interest is theirs and other people in their world have different special interests. Sure. Yeah, that's very cool. That's very cool. So is that story in your book? It is not in my book, no. No. Okay, so we're going to come back in a second and talk about your book. So you are listening to A New Spin on Autism Answers. I'm Lynette Louise, your story teacher host, otherwise known as the Brain Broad. And today is a hot fortune day. So here, at least here in California, it's toasty, toasty, toasty outside, and I can hardly wait to hang up because there's no air conditioning in this room. Okay, so <laughs> I remember to stay to the very end of the show where we will have stories from the And just before that, we're going to be talking a little bit more with Michelle Wright, and she's going to offer up, because she's the okay, okay, great guest giveaway, she's going to offer up a copy of the book. So we are back. That was easy and fun. Um, All right, so Michelle, let's just talk a little bit about the book. What made you decide to write it? 
Um, I have been enjoying writing for a long time. And like I said earlier, I really wanted to highlight something for not just my special child, but my typical child as well. Um, and I like that I could kind of tailor it to things that we've talked about here at home with, with all of them, you know, to include them in the story. And what about, I'm just wondering if this was one of your motivators, mainly because it's one of mine, and I want to see if we match in this. Um, I've all, I had a lot of kids, eight kids is a lot of kids, and they mm-hmm. had to be friends and do the buddy system and all that, and so, I've never felt very good about the way the world's always pointing to the other children, the you know, quote-unquote neurotypical children, and saying, mm-hmm. look how they get left behind and how they're not benefited and how having a special person in the house means that all the attention goes to the special person and this poor these poor siblings are negatively impacted. <laughs> so one of my goals, I like that you're laughing, one of my goals has always been to turn that mess around so so has that had anything to do with your motivation for writing this? Sure. You know, I we try to be as even keeled as we can, you know, with all four of them. Now, they all four learn things so differently from each other, whether they're typical or not. You know, they're going to learn things differently. Um, but so we've always tried to kind of keep that, you know, whatever our, our goals are for one of them is, is the goal for, for all of them. And um, one of my daughters, she was so cute. She was probably four at the time. Um, we had talked always about autism in our family. We've talked about it many times. And I said to her one time, well, who in our family has autism? And she said, Johnny. And then she looked at me and kind of had a puzzled look on her face. And she said, well, wait, does he get a prize for that? <laughs> oh, my gosh. Now that's cute. <laughs> <laughs> that's really cute. Um, do you feel that your kids were negatively affected by having an autistic sibling? I don't. I think that they have benefited from it in many ways. Um, just once again, to, to see people that are going to be different, all walks of life are going to be different, and we can always be kind. It doesn't matter if they're different or if they uh, act differently or look differently or talk differently. We can We can be kind no matter what. And I don't think it's in, impacted them negatively at all. I, I almost think for the better, um, because they have had avenues where they've met different people, and it, it's been a benefit to them because it's been a learning experience. Right. It's almost impossible unless you really, really try to make it happen. It's it's pretty difficult to have a special sibling in the house and not learn that diversity isn't necessarily a negative and the advantage to that really is being able to walk in the world and accept different cultures and see the value everywhere and know that you have to adapt. I mean, you know, an insult in one country is a compliment in another, and so you are more naturally equipped to understand that when you come with from a home with a special child, I believe. Sure, Absolutely. All right, so what's the, you know, what? Oh, uh, let's start with how many books are you going to give away, one or two? We can give away two. Awesome. All right, so <laughs> anybody who wants a copy of Happy Friends, and quite frankly, I think you should just go for it because if you know anyone cranky, you can give it to them. So <laughs> <laughs> if you want a copy of Happy Friends, send me an email to my personal email at mom, spelled with an O, not a U, M-O-M, the number four, evermore, so it reads Mom Forevermore at Juno, J U O, not Gmail, J U N O. So Mom Forevermore at Juno.com. In the subject line, you put Happy 
happy, happy friends. Three, three happies. And the first two people to do that will get a free book, and I'll pass you to Michelle. Ah, to Nicole. Sorry, I know I'm Michelle Wright, and you almost became her. (laughs) (laughs) Many people know her, actually. So, um, all right, so that's fantastic. Thank you for being so generous and being willing to share that. When you think of all that you've learned as the mom of so many kids and trying to, you know, make this sort of a kind, beautiful place within which to integrate, what was the hardest and what was oh. the most wonderful? Um, probably the hardest was for myself. You know, we talk about how our kids have a difficulty with going with the flow. <laughs> <laughs> I think sometimes as moms we forget that too. You know, we have these expectations of our children, and I think sometimes we need to let that go and let them be. Let them be who they are. Um and and go with the flow, you know. I'm sure times before that you've talked about, it, you know, if your child needs to just take a break and sit on the floor and play for a little bit, you know, then that's where you meet them. You meet them where they are. Don't have – sometimes let go of the expectation. Go with the flow. If they need to play, play with them. <laughs> you only have the time for a short – for such a short amount of time, and right. I'm so thankful for the time that I've had. That So I think that that takes it for the negative and for the positive because you can take those moments that you think are going to be difficult, you know, and, and turn them into the positive. And I hope yeah. that I've been able to do that with my kids. That's well, definitely been a high. So have you tell, tell us a story about one time when you were it was really hard to do it and you pulled it off? Um, I think... Johnny had difficulty with transitions, um, so much so that um, because he was having a difficulty verbalizing his emotions, he would get so upset when when I would leave the car to the point that he would kick and scream and spit and get very, very upset. And it would upset me, and it would frustrate me, and I had to meet him where he was. You know, and in that instance, I thought, okay, let's take a break. You know, let's all breathe for a moment. <laughs> and we were able to get through it. And now at 11, he is doing fantastic. He's doing amazing. It's incredible to see the progress that he's made. That's very cool. That's very cool. Um, all right, so this was such an, a nice interview. It's almost over. Tell me, you have this last minute to sort of tell people how to get a hold of your book, um, your websites, anything you want to share like that to connect sure. with folks and um, connect with you. And when you're done that, um, give us your, you know, this is your moment to say whatever you want, on topic, off topic, that okay. you think would most benefit the world. Okay. Um, well you can Anybody can reach me on Facebook through my name, Nicole Humphreys Wright. Um, you can definitely connect me, with me on that way. If you're interested in purchasing the book, it's um, through Amazon. So all you need to do is just type in Happy Friends and my name, Nicole Wright, and you should be able to find a link for the book um, on that way. So very easy to find the book and easy to find me. Um, Anybody that's on the autism journey, especially those that have children that may be newly diagnosed, it's it's tough. Um, But I don't think that you should allow that to swallow you up and swallow your hope that you have for your child. it was really tough at the beginning for us with Johnny. Um, I, I often say that our family is the poster family for early intervention and um, for wraparound services. 
we used everything that was at our disposal to help him the most that we could. And if you have those options available to you, don't pass them up. Use them. Um, learn from them. Learn from your child. Um, take advantage of other people's knowledge and soak up as much as you can and bring it into your home and adapt it how you need to for your family. Um, Johnny is 11 now, and um, I say he graduated this year from early intervention, from wraparound services, from, you know, all of the therapies. He graduated, and we never thought that we would be to this point. But because of all of those helps along the way, he is where he is today because of all of that. So if you have that at your disposal, definitely use it. Don't, don't pass it by because it's phenomenal. You'll see your child grow, and your family will grow as a result of that. So that's my that's, tidbit. <laughs> that's really awesome. And just to add to that, you know, having children is hard. So there's a lot of people. I remember my daughter saying to me after she had her first child, she was my first child having her first child, and, and she goes, Mom, I really thought I'd have a baby, and it would be like I would sing a lullaby or a song from Disney, and he'd look at me and coo and go to sleep. <laughs> And I said, and now you know better. <laughs> because it's like, you know, it's so easy to think, you, know, you see all these beautiful uh, movies about parenting or, you see, you know, you see a commercial or you have it in, a fantasy in your head and you think you have all the answers and that the child's just going to go, I love you, mommy, and this is lovely. <laughs> and the truth is, being a parent's hard, whether you have a challenge or not. So, you know, it's just a little bit extra different when they're different, right? Or, yep. Yeah. yeah, nice advice. Thank you. Really appreciate you making yourself available today. Um, it's been a great interview. It went by so, so fast. People, I suggest you get her book. I mean, the fact is, anybody who's willing to name a book Happy Friends and has <laughs> it be about autism deserves to make a lot of sales, so you need to get on that. All right, thanks for being here, Nicole. Thank you so much, Lynette. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. And that was Nicole Humphreys Wright, or Nicole Wright, the author of Happy Friends. All right, well, she was our OK, OK, great guest giveaway. So that means it is now time for Stories from the Road. And I think this is a great story. It's on the subject of being kind and the challenge of learning how to do that when you have um, autism and apraxia and a sensory system that just keeps on getting ramped up by the requirements of the environment you're in. So this is a Middle Eastern child um, in a, a different country. I'm not going to say where. Um, it's getting to the point now where enough of my people know enough of my people that I have to be more careful with confidentiality. So we're just going to say it's far, far away. <laughs> and um, and he's going through a rough time right now. He's been doing really well. It comes on and off with rough times. One of the reasons is he was on Prozac. And when you, when I, if I had anything to say about how doctors handled handing out drugs to children um, or adults, period, it would be always make you aware of what the withdrawal will be like should they change their mind. Or should the parent change their mind or the, you know, the patient change their mind about taking that particular drug? Because if you don't know the withdrawal challenges that you're accepting when you take a drug, you really are being, uh, I, I think that's malpractice. I, th I think you must know what you're getting into. So one of the things about Prozac is it waxes and wanes for a long time. Not for everyone, but most people have a real hard time with it. 
<clears throat> and so you can be doing fine, and then all of a sudden you get the Prozac headache. And so it can go on and on and on, even though um, you long ago quit using the Prozac. So that's the case here. And so when the child goes through one of these sort of aggressive periods of withdrawal, he, of course, is suffering. And if he happens to also be in school where everybody's asking him to handle it, um, it can become really negative and he is not kind. But part of that has to do with the lack of kindness coming his way. So let's define kindness. He, Everybody in support of this child, by the way, loves him tremendously and is tremendously kind and tremendously supportive. But we have a definition of what it looks like when we ask children to behave in school. We reward the outburst by then later pulling them away and sticking them in a room and giving a lecture. Um, There's a lot of things that we naturally do because our parents did it and their parents did it. And and so there's sort of an agreed-upon belief about what kindness looks like and how it should be taught that happens in many schools, and that's the case here. And it really just requires redefining. So kindness, in the case of someone who, when you see that they're struggling with something, kindness is to not raise the bar in that moment. You know, don't ask the child, ask something of the child in that moment. Kindness is to say, all right, looks like you need a minute. And I love that Nicole mentioned that because sometimes asking, you know, asking of yourself to notice their need so that you can say, yeah, it looks like you need a minute, so I'm going to back off for a second. And then teaching the person to find a way to tell you when they need a minute and then find a way without a prompt and without a, a tangible, but with words to tell you that's the real job here. So kindness starts in the environment. It's our job. We have to teach kindness. And it goes back to the story that I shared about uh, Humpty Dumpty. You know, he was giving a gift that he wanted. When we ask a child who has a sensory overload situation to behave in the way that we want, we are not being kind necessarily. But when we teach them how to handle their own internal challenges and engage in the world in such a way that other people are comfortable, then we are still saying, this is what I want from you, but we're doing it from their vantage point, from their perspective. So to be specific, so you can understand me, what would work here in this child's case would be to say, um, I'll give you, uh, I'm try- I have to do confidentiality. No, no, no. I can't really tell you the exact story. So what I'm going to do is, there's just too many people that know. So uh, what I'm going to do is I'm just going to do it in a general way. But So he's upset and, the, and he's like not hurting anybody, nothing like that, but you know, getting all sweaty and kind of hitting his own head, but not where it'll do any damage, just like we would do when we're frustrated or some would do when they're frustrated. And it's not a time to say, don't do that. It's a time to say, oh, okay, well, you know, as soon as you feel better, we can go and not go back into class because going back into class is going to be the challenge. Don't be raising the bar right now. Just It's a time to say, oh, okay, well, let's um, let's step back and go over here, and then you can run it off or do whatever you want. 
once he's decelerated, then it's again our job, not in a lecture, not in a, you know, this is what you did wrong kind of way, but to say, you know, it looks like maybe it's not such a great day to be around other kids because the way you acted makes me feel like you might not be very comfortable around these kids. So let's go home. We'll try again tomorrow. And here's why. If he then gets to go back in around the other kids, if he's ready and does well, then what he's learned is acting out and being all frustrated, he'll feel better and then he can go back to class. So he's learned he can do whatever he wants that way. And that's teaching himself to be uncomfortable. It's not what you want to teach. Um, and if he's not quite ready but thought he was, when he gets in that classroom, you'll have another meltdown and he might hurt somebody. So the action that you want to take is to respect the moment, not raise the bar, but also, as soon as it's decelerated, say, because of this, to keep everyone safe and to help you have a good relationship with everyone, we're going to leave. And I know there's a lot of people going, no, 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 you have to you have to push through and you have to stay at school and you have to all this. Yeah, no, you don't. Think about it. What are you really teaching? Are you teaching that school is more important than him learning to handle friendship? I don't think so. Friendship is the skill he needs to be able to handle for his whole life. He will leave school. But he won't leave the world, I hope. <laughs> and so he needs to know how to handle human beings and himself in the company of human beings. That's your goal. That's your lesson. That's being kind to someone with a challenge. All right? That's my opinion. You know, take it to the bank or don't. My name's Lynette Louise. I'm your story teacher host, and you've been listening to A New Spin on Autism Answers. Today's question is, what is kind? And today's answer is adoption. Adoption to the situation and the person. And with an outlook that includes friendship that's kind all right thank you for being here because without you i would just be talking to myself thank you for joining the show today lynette is the author of the refreshingly honest and at times hilarious new book miracles are made a real life guide to autism you can purchase this and other materials by looking on the webtalkradio.net website and clicking on the covers you can also click through to her facebook page and check out any show you may have missed by looking in the archives We'll see you soon for another edition of a new spin on autism. Answers. Spinning in circles and talking to myself. Spinning in circles and talking to myself. Spinning in circles and talking to myself. I can't hear you.